All right. Welcome back to Providence POV. Peter and Joe here with you guys, as always, coming off of a disappointing 18-point uh, loss yesterday evening to Villanova. Uh, we'll break that one down for you in a few minutes, but it's currently Monday, February 5th. You'll be listening to this Tuesday the 6th. Peter, how you doing? Good. Uh, I'm annoyed that I that I had to watch that game in person. At least if I was home on the couch, I could have went to bed or I a little too early to go to bed, but flipped it to a different channel. <laughs> but no, it was it was a tough tough performance. Your dog's clearly not happy with the performance. Yeah, sorry so, about that. No, your dog. You know your dogs. Your dog's right here. I don't know your dog's name, so I don't. But it, your dog. Pip in summer. Pip in summer are pissed off right now. They're mad. They're yeah. frustrated, and they're taking it out because they hear us talking about it, and they're like, "I don't want to hear you guys blab about this for thirty minutes. It's mm-hmm. gonna make me feel worse." But look, obviously, we'll break it down. A lot to talk to, and obviously, we'll give you guys a little bit of an outlook. Uh, like we do every episode, we give an outlook of what's to come. Yeah. And now it gets even more important than it was maybe a week ago. Yeah, I was going to say, that I think the theme of tonight and going forward is just the remaining stretch of games only becomes more and more and more important. Um, the work that this team did in the non-conference, uh, beating Wisconsin, beating Georgia, and then obviously the win over Marquette is what keeps Providence in. Uh, we'll keep, we'll count the Seton Hall win too. Those marquee wins is, yeah. are keeping Providence in the conversation uh, as a bubble team, but the losses are starting to pile up. Um, and listen, that's going to happen in this conference because of the quality of opponent, um, which is, which is why it, it's just that much more important to win games. Um, but anyway, uh, Providence loses last night in a battle of the bubble at Villanova. The team hardly looked competitive. Only four players recorded points. And, you know, that's kind of generous because Jaden Pierre only scored five on two for 13 shooting. So anyway, it it was a really, really bad performance. But Peter, I'm going to toss the mic to you here because you were actually in person um, and you got to see a lot of it firsthand. Yeah, I kind of wish I did, but uh, yeah, it was like, it's hard to wrap your kind of mind around it because it was one of those games that you can do all the predicting, you can do all the previewing that you and I do uh, before each game at the end of our recap episodes, and nothing kind of prepares you for just a, just a brutal first half on offense, right? Like the second half, they scored 34 points. Handful of those points are definitely in garbage time. Villanova checked out a big, right? Like 34 points is a little generous at that point. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. probably tell the story of how bad offensively they were throughout the whole game. But you go 16 points in the first half, right? And it's one of those numbers that if you're scrolling through Twitter and you're not watching this game and you see that, you're like, oh my God, like what the heck is going on here? But if you're watching the game or you're at the game or you're a Providence fan, it's just one of those numbers when you see on the big board or, or in your TV that you can't really wrap your mind around, right? Because it's so abnormal to see 16 first-half points. But this team, I don't know, remember what they started from three, but I, I know it was 0 for 9 at one point. And 
they were getting these weren't like super highly contested threes, fadeaways, guys in your face. Like Villanova did a good defensive job, one of their better better performances of the year, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But Joe, these threes, they were open. Like they were getting looks that, and I know we're not a great three-point shooting team, but they were getting looks that and that we were we were okay with that like you want us to take. And then I know. Villanova did a great job of, I guess, limiting Josh Duro in the first half. It also felt like we couldn't pass in the ball. Like it was became so like unique to us or like so foreign to us that the the, the pass from the side or the corner or the top of the key to our center, who's one of our best players who needs the ball almost in every possession, we were just unable to get him a clean touch in the paint. And that became an issue. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. You know, we had a hard time adjusting, uh, to the, you know, we had a hard time getting entry passes off, uh, credit to Villanova's defense, but, um, the team just did, did, honestly, they, they did not look ready to play. Um, body language is something that Kim English mentioned in the pre- the post-game press conference, which by the way, if you haven't listened to it, I would highly recommend it. It is a breath of fresh air. It's no, uh, it's none of the, oh, you got to give Villanova credit, blah, blah, blah. It's we sucked and we're going to hold ourselves accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, in, in the, in the post game press conference, Kim talked about body language and, you know, I, I thought that, that, that was a really important thing for him to say, because it's something I noticed too. And it's that the guys looked checked out, um, you know, maybe not out of the gate, but once Villanova started building up a lead and the shot stopped falling for us, well, not that they were ever falling to begin with, but when the shots weren't falling, it looked like guys were checking out. Um, and I think this is what we see now as a result of this free-flowing freedom offense of we're not going to run sets. You know, guys have the the freedom to shoot when they're open as long as it's a good shot. And this is, you know, that's what Kim said in the presser too, is that we're going to start, you know, taking that away. The freedom is now gone. Um, so, yeah, I think body language, you know, uh, attention to detail, just the, the all of the little things that you need to do to come prepared to win a basketball game Providence did not do. And, you know, I, I the final score isn't even ind- indicative of the way that we played. We were down 26 at one point. So yeah. I, I, an 18-point victory for Villanova is doesn't even do justice to what happened last night. Yeah, like you have guys, if you go look at the box score, and it's it's an ugly box score, as it should be when you score 50 points and only 16 points in the first half. But like you have guys that are shooting like 2 for 13, 4 for 11, 0 for 4, 0 for 3, 0 for 1, 4 for 10, right? Like it's it's eventually you get to a point where it's simple. And it's not simple because we made it look really hard on Sunday night, but you got to make shots, right? Like, and I thought Villanova played fine. I thought we made them look better than they are. And look, like a lot of Villanova's players didn't play great. They didn't shoot particularly great from the field in the first half. Like they scored 26 points in the first half, but it felt like we were down 30. Like that mm-hmm. should never be a thing. But Joe, if, if you told me, and you said this before about their shooting percentage, but like if you told me they would score 26 points in the first half, I'd be like, okay, we probably have 34. Yeah, at home, we'll probably have 34. We're up eight and a half. We're, we're looking pretty good. We're 34 26. We were down 10. 
We are down 26 to 16. 16 is just going to keep ringing in my in my ear, in my head, how abnormal that number is. But, like, you had no one show up. You had no one make shots. An entry pass, like I just said, seemed impossible. You had nothing easy. They were fumbling the ball everywhere. To get it to Adora was impossible. How many? We had 13 turnovers. Nova had 21 points off our 13 turnovers. So every, not every time, but a lot of the times the Fires gave the ball up, they got bitten again because they gave up points. It was just probably the worst performance I have seen in years. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, Kim maybe didn't the out. Hall, maybe the scene Hall game last year. Maybe that, that sucked too. But th- those get those get asterisks because we weren't really being coached those games. Fair enough, um, fair but even like if you look at the Villanova side of things, I don't think Villanova did anything spectacular. I, I mean, they had two guys score in double figures, Dixon and Hausen, and otherwise that's it. It wasn't it like you can say that it was a balanced scoring effort, but nobody really scored more than ten except for two guys. So. Villanova is a bubble team like Providence right now, but Villanova is a bubble team that honestly, I, I, the the score and the game last night aren't indicative of this, but I think Providence is just better with better than Villanova, even without Bryce Hopkins. Villanova has a more expensive roster in terms of NIL um, and a better history of success, but this season in a vacuum, Providence is the better team. They're better coached. They have better wins. I mean, Villanova's got some quality wins, but holistically, you look at the season, Providence is the better team. But Providence was not the better team last night. Um, And that was a game that, you know, it's not going to make or break the season. Uh, You know, I I think we're, we're, as a fan base and you and I together, were upset because of the way that they played. But this isn't a loss that is going to, you know, really smudge your NCAA tournament resume. What is aggravating about the loss is the way that you played, and it would have been a nice to have. You know, any I think it's top seventy-five in the net on the yeah. road is a quadrant one victory, and Villanova in the net right now is forty-five. They were fifty-one last night, so that would have been a Q one victory, um, mm-hmm. which we you know kind of need right now if we want to start making a push towards March. Yeah. Um, well, I was, I was going to play a little devil's advocate here, right? Because why not? Let's have a little fun and take us out of our, our misery that we're dealing with at the moment, right? And it's probably, mm-hmm. look, we're making it a bigger deal than it actually is. And I agree with you on that. Like I said, I joked before that we hit record, but I'm going to say it again. Everything's in front, in front of you, right? Just eventually with a game or two left and we're still talking about, th- about it, then. I guess the Big East tournament still exists. So I guess everything's still always in front of you until you don't win the Big East tournament, I guess, if you can't, don't make the NCAA tournament, uh, <laughs> which is the beauty of college basketball. But, like, I'm not saying last night was a must win, but it, it we talked about last week, Joe, this, this week coming up, right? You had Nova on Sunday night. You have home against Creighton on Wednesday, which is a quad one win, potential win. And then... You have Butler on the road on Sunday, on Saturday, which is also a potential quad one win, right? Like we were looking to go two and one, right? Two out of three. But now it puts a little more pressure on you because I don't want to say this, but Wednesday is shaping up because you are you are at home 
is it's shaping up to be a must win. And that puts a lot of pressure, right? Like if you won on Sunday night against Nova and beat Butler on the road and lost to Creighton at home, like you could deal with that, right? Mm-hmm. The problem is now you get blown out on the road to Villanova. Score wasn't even as bad as it actually was. You score 50 points and you have no offense and you look lifeless, right? Then you go into Wednesday against a Creighton team. That is good. I think a little bit overrated, but that, that can score. Like Creighton can score. And you are going to have to score on Wednesday yep. if you want to have a chance in this game. You And now it, it's shaping up to be a must win on Wednesday because of what happened on Sunday night, in my opinion. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that and run a, le- a little bit farther with it. At home against Creighton, at home against St. John's, at home against DePaul, at home against Vin- Villanova, all four of those games are must wins if you want to make the tournament. Um, and there, there's really no sugarcoating it. Maybe if you lose to Creighton, you trade that out with a hopeful win at home against UConn. But again. I don't. I don't want. I don't want to look at that game yet. Um, but you're right. Wednesday's game is a must-win. Um, th- that's <laughs> that's it. It's a must-win. I, I really don't know what what else to to say here because you lost at home to Seton Hall, which wound up what turned out being okay because Seton Hall went on a nice little win streak. But you got your doors beat off at home. By a bad Xavier team. That, and that's going to sting us. That that's, might sting right. us more than Sunday night, honestly. That, that's a stinger right there. Yeah. And then, you know, since then, you salvage an eight-point victory over Georgetown. Let's keep in mind that was an emotional game uh, for both sides of the court. Uh, Cooley was emotional. We were emotional. Um, but th- this is it now. Uh, we have five home games remaining. You need to go four and one at home down the stretch here and steal a road win to, to solidify chance your chances here or do all but solidify. Yeah. And another, I think, I think storyline out of Sunday night, Joe is, has been the storyline of half the year, right? Like three and five without Bryce Hopkins and two of those wins are DePaul and Georgetown, the bottom feeders, te- the conference teams that have obviously no shot of making the NCAA tournament, right? Mm-hmm. And most teams aren't like equipped for this, right? When you lose your, I get at the time your best player, probably your second best player, right? Whatever, right? Because Devin Carter's really good, but whatever, it really doesn't matter at that point. When you lose your top two player on your roster, a guy that does so much on both sides of the ball, no team is really ever prepared to kind of fill that like gap Well, you have guys because you have guys on scholarship to fill the gap, but we aren't loaded. Most teams in the big East, if you take away their best player, aren't the same. There's one or two, maybe three teams that can do that. And those teams are top five seeds in the NCAA tournament. And that's just because they've built depth and they're national title contenders, or uh, I guess sweet 16 bid teams, elite eight teams, whatever. Right. Right. The fires aren't built for that. And it's it's unfortunate in Kim English's first year as a Providence Fire coach that he has to deal with this because a lot of these players obviously aren't his players. Some of them are very good, some of them are very open there at the moment. But you all, we also took away a team that was a potential 
team that could win a game or two in the NCAA tournament, which you can't sugarcoat. If you can win two games in the NCAA tournament, you're in the Sweet 16, and it's huge for your program, right? Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate because now we're trying to scrape our way back into the – we're on the bubble, but on the wrong side of the bubble at the moment. We're trying to scrape our way back into it. Basically, what I'm trying to say here, it's, it's unfortunate for where this team is at, for Kim English, for everyone, because – I do think this team was top five potential in the Big East with a fully healthy roster. Uh, I agree. One, two. I thought you know this team was a top three team in the conference with a healthy Bryce Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Um, but to give uh, the other thirteen guys on the roster some credit, uh, I think that road game at St. John's should have been a win. Yep. Even without Bryce Hopkins, like I said, you missed 11 free throws that game and you lost by two. So even without Bryce Hopkins on the road at St. John's, you could have won that game. Not that that's a big difference maker, but just looking at a bird's eye from a bird's eye view here, playing at Creighton is tough. Um, losing at home to Xavier, you know, nobody really showed up defensively to that game. And obviously Bryce went down against Seton Hall but Seton Hall was in the middle of a very hot streak. Uh, so otherwise, you know, you can't really, I mean, you yes, losing Hopkins hurts, but Providence has been competitive without him. Uh, it's just, you know, little things, little mistakes that, you know, lost us games down the stretch here. But listen, Kim, uh, said it in the press conference, there are going to be changes uh, that, you know, the freedom on offense is going to be dialed back because quite frankly, guys aren't hitting the shots. They're taking bad shots and it's not working. And yeah. I think that's, I, I think for step one in the right direction towards, you know, turning the ship here is doing that reeling things in on offense. We know that this team can defend with or without Bryce Hopkins, we know that this team can defend. They've shown they've shown that to us all year. Offensively is where a lot of our holes come from. And you know, that needs that's what needs yeah. to be fixed. I want to go even deeper into when Kim English said and I, I would agree guys if you if you're listening to us right now and you haven't gone to listen to Kim English's press conference, it's not that long. None of them are really ever that long. I would go back and listen to it. Or you can find some of the point clips on Twitter and you can get your information from that. But like you said, he mentioned freedom, losing guys are going to lose freedom. You kind of have to dial it back. I'll go in deeper on that, what needs to happen, right? And I think you and I talked about this throughout the year, and we've kind of maybe glossed over it the last couple of weeks. The three-point attempts have to be cut, maybe not in half because that's dramatic. 33 three-point attempts is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. It, it is too many empty possessions. This team it has enough guys that can get to the hoop and that can finish at the hoop. It is unacceptable that Jaden Pierre took eight three-pointers last night and was 0 for 8. That 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 just cannot happen. That cannot mm-hmm. be a thing. He is not a good enough three-point shooter to shoot eight three-pointers. Look, the numbers dramatic. He had probably one of his probably his worst offensive game he's ever had as in and his two years or a year and a half so far as a Providence Friar, right? Probably his worst offensive game. 30 
three three-point attempts is unacceptable. You are not a good enough three-point shooting team to do that. And there has not been a single game this year, Joe, that you and I, will we can go look back and say we won because of our three-point shooting as a team. We have not won a single game because of that. We've won games because of defense. We have won games because of free throws. We've also lost games because of free throws. We've won games because we got into the rim or Devin Carter has taken over. or Physicality. Or Josh Adore or physicality or coaching, whatever. But we have not won a single game because we out we're we're the best three-point shooting team where we hit a lot of threes. It just has not happened this year. And to go into this game and shoot 33 threes is unacceptable. Yeah. No, I listen, I'm I'm in agreement with you. Um you cannot expect to go seven for 33, 21% from deep and win a game while also shooting 15 for 51 from the floor. I just, um, I, I look at these stats and I think like, this isn't real, right? Like this, yeah. <laughs> somebody's punking us right now, but it's <laughs> the, the funny thing is too, they were perfect from the free throw line. <laughs> I know I was joking with that with my dad. I was like, we, we complained about the free throws uh, against UConn, but they took it to heart. They're like, we're just going to make free throws and not do anything else. I mean, if Josh Oduro didn't hit, it didn't go 10 for 10 from the line, he's not scoring 18 points. He's scoring right? eight points. Like, it's, it's insane. Like, that, like that's that's what sums up this game. I don't know. I, I'm not, I really, <laughs> honestly, I don't really want to talk much about this box sheet the more and more that I look at it. Oh, um, terrible, dude. All right, let's look at big picture here because this. I'm just tired of watching how looking at how terrible we played last night. Um, all right, Biggie standings right now. Connecticut's got first alone. Marquette's alone in second. Creighton and Seton Hall are tied in third. I think actually Creighton gets that tiebreaker because they have the win over Seton Hall. Butler Xavier tied for fourth or fifth, I guess fifth. Um, Butler over Xavier. And then Providence, St. John's, Villanova all tied in sixth place at a five and six record after tiebreakers. And the reason I use tiebreakers is because that's what's used to, to determine Big East tournament seating despite record. Um, St. John's, Villanova, Providence. So after last night's loss, Providence now sits as part of a three way tie with St. John's and Villanova, but in ter- after tiebreakers, in ninth place in the conference. Um, that certainly wasn't in my cards uh, when the season started. And that certainly wasn't something that I expected, even with Bryce Hopkins going down. Um, but it's the reality of where we are. And, you know, we, we preface this at the beginning of the show, but everything is still ahead of you. Providence to this point in the season has now played Every Big East team once and Seton Hall twice. So we don't have to worry about Seton Hall anymore. We split the season series with them. But in terms of teams that are not Seton Hall, we have no win over UConn. We have a win over Marquette. We've lost to Creighton. We've lost to St. John's. We've lost to Xavier. We've lost to Villanova. And we've beaten Butler, Georgetown, and DePaul. Um, the good news is that for all of those teams that we have lost to, 
we now get a second crack at. The bad news is that some of those teams kicked our ass. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's the reality of it. Xavier beat us by 20 at home. I really don't want to play them on the road. Uh, Quad one, though. uh, Yeah, it is quad one. But. I don't know. I just rambled for a lot there, Peter. What do you think of the of the stretch here going forward? Look, if you go to any Big East team right now, and if you look at it, like every team has a tough stretch coming up, unless you have DePaul, Georgetown back to back, right? Like unless you got that, you're playing like we were talking about Butler, who's six and five, who's playing really well. Their next four games, somewhat of an order, they're against UConn, Providence, Marquette, and Creighton, right? Those are really tough games. Even Providence is somewhat of a is a tough game, right? Like those are all tough games. Like teams fall, teams falter, right? You're gonna have teams start sliding down, and you have five wins. The third place team is seven, right? Like you are really close to third, but then you're a ninth. So it's I know it's, it's a it's a it's a crapshoot. And we said this about maybe a week and a half ago, Joe. The Big East is cannibalizing themselves for five to six to try to to try to get to at least six bids in the NCAA tournament seems very tough at the moment just because it's tough now and then teams are going to keep playing each other. And if things keep going the way they have gone throughout the season so far, like halfway through the year and the conference play, they're going to cannibalize themselves and you're going to get a limited field from the Big East just due to the toughness of the conference. And that that is a little bit of unfortunate for the conference as a whole. But look, you got Creighton on Wednesday. I'm trying to find the schedule again. Creighton on Wednesday, then at Butler, St. John's, DePaul. If we do the four-game stretch at the moment, right? Because you probably you kind of go four, then you go five with nine games remaining at the moment. Um, I do the, yeah, four of the five. You have three out of the next four games, Joe, are at home. You got to go three and one. I know we said we got to go throw Villanova out. We got to go two and three this week. Forget that. I'm done with that right now. Mm-hmm. You got to go three and one in the next four games. You should beat DePaul. You got to find a way to beat either St. John's or Creighton at home. And then you got to go to Butler unless you want to win all three games at home. Uh, and all four of those games, obviously, DePaul including, are winnable games. Uh, St. John's is very up and down. Creighton's up and down. DePaul terrible. I think, we, I, I think we should beat St. John's, but sorry, continue. I know. I, I agree with you. Uh, Butler's going to be tough on Saturday, but That's it all, be a tough start, game. all starts on Wednesday. Like, what? What type of team shows up on Wednesday, right? Like Wednesday, Joe, will give us a huge – and I know there's still have games remaining after Wednesday, eight more games. But Wednesday will give us a huge kind of outlook to what this team is going to be down the stretch and what this team wants to be, right? Like if they get it – they got embarrassed on Sunday. That was embarrassing. They got embarrassed. The school – the school's a little dramatic. Uh, but the team, the coach, us, we all got embarrassed. It was embarrassing, right? What team is showing up on Wednesday night at home? What type of crowd is showing up on Wednesday night at home? Because this team has a chance to right their wrong from Sunday night. But do they just give up and do they just lay down? And do we see another team that can't make a shot and that has no effort, right? It's going to be interesting. The crowd is going to be interesting. I think the crowd's going to start understanding how desperate – like. I want to see a desperate freaking team on Wednesday night. I want to see a team that knows they have to go win this game at home. I, I want to see 
a team that just puts everything on the line for 40 minutes on Wednesday because we did not see that on Sunday night. Yeah, uh, Wednesday is going to take um, a huge effort to 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 beat Creighton. Um, I mean, the same effort that it took to overcome an 18-point deficit on the road at Creighton, that plus some because I, I agree with you. I think Creighton is a little overrated, but they're still good. They're still well coached, and they have good. They have, they have a really <laughs> dynamic trio in Alexander Shireman. And yeah. although I think he's the most overrated big man in the conference, Kalkbrenner. Uh, so there's that. Big picture speaking, I like the way that you you broke it up into a four game stretch and then a five game stretch. I agree with you. At the bare minimum, you have to go three and one over the next four winning all three of your home games. And then you have a five-game stretch that includes three road games at Xavier, at Marquette, and at Georgetown. Also in that stretch is at home against Villanova and at home against Connecticut. I think you need to go three and two. So you go three and one over the next four, and then three and two over the – was yeah, seven out of nine. No, Wait, what? That'd be six out of ten. I was gonna say that. I think that's six. Yeah. No, we that... only have nine games left, don't we? Yeah, One. I'm saying I'm saying six out of nine games. Oh yeah, my yeah, that was bad. My bad. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, you go six and three over the next nine. Puts you at twenty wins. Puts you at eleven conference wins. I think. That should do it, but but again, it, it depends which games you win. Uh, you know, if that includes uh, you know a win over first ranked UConn, but a loss on the road to Georgetown, eh, don't know if that does it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the big picture, it, the opportunity is still in front of us, but we need to be very uh, v- diligent disciplined um, and locked in. And like you said, Peter, this is going to start on Wednesday against Creighton. You know, this is going to be, (laughs) I sound like a broken record here. This is going to be the turning point of the season. How you come out and play against 19th ranked Creighton is going to set the tone for the remainder of the season. Yeah. You also have two quad one potential wins coming up this week on Wednesday. Creighton's a quad one. They're 16 and the net, so top 30 at home, and then Butler on the road. I don't know what Butler is, but they have to be top 75. Right now, they're 49, so they're not going to – if they lose the UConn on Tuesday, they're not going to fall outside of 75. So you're going to have two quad one potential wins this week to get you – right now, you have three quad one wins at the moment. And to put that in perspective, a team on the bubble like Seton Hall, they have four quad one wins, right? So you're right there. Somehow, Seton Hall is a 66 net. Holy crap, I just looked at that. Do they really? Yeah, we have a 59 net, and Seton Hall is a 66 net. Okay, that is not something I expected to stumble upon when we hit record. But you well, get what I'm saying. Like you, yeah. you have three quad one wins right now at the moment. You have a chance to get to five. And if you, if you and I are talking next week, that a team, and it doesn't feel like we're going to get to based off Sunday night's performance, and I 100% get that, and I have the same feeling. I think Joe has the same feeling as well, right? But – 
if you can if you get two wins this week and you get the five quad one wins and you're listening to us next Tuesday morning breaking down the Butler and where we outlook, you're looking at a team that's in the tournament as of next week. It's that simple. Yeah. It's hey. simple, not the right term, but it's it's that cut and dry where you know what you exactly have to do. Well, right. And if I'm Kim English after you know what the team produced yesterday, I'm saying we gotta win out. Right? Like if I'm a coach, which I am not. I'm telling I'm telling the guys, you know, we better damn well win out, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh it's going to be tough because you still have to play on the road at Marquette, you have to play UConn again. Um but, you know, I'm saying let's let's win the damn thing. Um all right. Uh I got nothing left, Peter. <laughs> I don't know about you. This this was a draining <laughs> game. Yeah, I'm kind of checked out. We did a little bit of a Creighton preview. Uh, you guys know Creighton. You know they're good. They got three guys coming at you. They're a good offensive team, Joe. And look, Creighton at home and Creighton on the road is different. Mm-hmm. So they don't shoot as well as they do on the road, at home as they do on the road. But this team can score, right? Like you, you're going to have to score 65 plus, I'm assuming, right? Like, yeah, I don't think you. I don't think you can win scoring like six. I don't think you win sixty four sixty. Like, I I don't know if that. Like, Creighton just went. Was it at Hinkle? Did they? No, they lost at home to Butler their last game, right? Yeah. And did they? They didn't play over the weekend, Creighton. Did they? Or did they play? They didn't play over the weekend, did they? Wasn't that the loss to Butler? No, I was watching that. Didn't they play? They played Friday against Butler. That's what the weekend was, Friday. Not even yeah. technically the weekend, but you get what I'm saying. They lost. Yeah. yeah. They scored. How many points did they score? 98. Okay. You know what I did? I typed in Creighton basketball to Google, and it took me to the women's team. No offense, but that's not what I searched for. Uh, <laughs> 98 points, and they lost, right? And Creighton's a good defensive team, and they look terrible against Butler. But, like, Creighton scores the basketball. You are going to have to score. You're not going to have to score 90-plus because we're not going to give up 90-plus in our – 40 minute game, but you, you're, you're going to have to score in this game on Wednesday. Yeah. It, th- this game is going to take a concerted scoring effort. Um, you know, Creighton is coming off of a devastating home loss to Butler, uh, you know, lost by one, gave up 99 points at home. Uh, Providence, on the other hand, we're coming off of a, a spineless deflated balloon loss to, you know, a, a very mediocre Villanova team on the road uh, you know, I said that I've I've said this before this season, and I'll say it again. It's going to come down to you know who's more desperate and who wants it more. I hope that Providence does. You know, Creighton might be upset about the law about their last loss, but Providence is playing for their lives here. So, um, you know, last year we played Creighton around at home around the same time of year. It was also the pink out game, which I believe is this Wednesday. So, hopefully, you know. History will repeat itself. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Good way to end it, Joe. All right. Providence loses to Villanova by a score of 68 to 50. Uh, yesterday evening, the Friars were led in scoring by Josh Duro, who had 18, and Devin Carter, who had 17. Looking ahead, as mentioned, Providence will play Creighton. 
this Wednesday, 8.30 p.m. That is on Fox Sports 2, not on Fox Sports 1. By the time you're listening to this, it will be Tuesday, February 6th. You will not hear from us again until Friday after that. But for Peter DiBiase, this is Joe Howie. For House Enterprise and for Providence POV, thank you for listening. And as always, go Friars. Go Friars.